Feltone Hearing Aid Center presents The Drive. Ready, fight. The Drive. Elmore deep, left side three, it's good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome into the Friday, December 7th edition. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We are presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center. Coming up this hour, going to hear from Brett Delaney. He's the executive director of the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. He's going to join me in a few minutes. We're going to talk to him about the game itself, the matchup, and everything else that goes into making a bowl. you got to admit, if you're going to play in a bowl, you might as well have one that has some interest built in already. And just because of the name itself, a lot of people will perk up and go, oh, what's that? With the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl being one of the more unique names. So I've had to explain what a Gasparilla is to a few people. And I'm not even from Florida. I've had to get the Florida native in the office to, to maybe make that explanation We'll try to solve that for some of you stragglers, what Gasparilla is all about. Not Bad Boy Motors, we know that. What Gasparilla is all about. But that's what's coming up here a little bit later on. We'll get some of your phone calls in later on as well at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. We've got a lot to get into. Of course, the Thundering Herd, the basketball squad, back in action tomorrow 2.30 at the Cam Henderson Center. That means we go on the air at 1 o'clock as Marshall trying to get back to their winning ways. They're home, so you would hope that's going to help. The Thundering Herd so far have been solid at home, rock solid, undefeated. They won one game on the road, and they have lost the remainder. Maryland, Ohio, and then most recently against Duquesne. So Thundering Herd will host Toledo. Two-game homestand at the Cam Henderson Center. We will talk a little bit more about that. I'm really interested to see what kind of start this team's going to have when they take the court. What's warm-ups going to look like? Is it going to be loose? Are they going to be business-like? Are they going to be relaxed? Are they going to be tense? Are they going to be focused? Are they going to be lackadaisical? And then when the ball's tipped, what's going to happen? Are they going to be really aggressive on defense, try to make a statement early, a little bit more selective with their shots, get some guys worked into the offense, not try to funnel everything through one or two guys, have a situation where anybody on that court at any given time could get the ball, and make a shot? Or are you going to funnel your offense through a couple of guys? Or are you going to basically funnel the offense through yourself if you're one or two of those guys? As you heard Dan D'Antoni, he's pretty tired of the me, 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 and he wants more of the we. No me, just we. He wants this team to be playing for the Thundering Herd, not for individual marks, records, accolades. Let's be honest. It's not time to hit the panic button yet, but this is going to be a good indicator what is going to happen after a good couple of days of reflection and aggressive counseling maybe from Dan D'Antoni. 
So that's all coming up Saturday. We will find out what happens. We'll talk a little bit more about Toledo coming into the Cam Henderson Center later on along with your phone calls. We'll take a look at the college football awards. A lot of awards were handed out yesterday. Of course, the big one will be handed out on Saturday, the Heisman. And that's the one we're all waiting for. And as a Heisman voter, I really can't speculate. I'm not going to just because I've got to vote. So I don't think it would be fair for me to kind of speculate based on I know where I voted. But it's going to be interesting to see which one of the three walk away with the Heisman. And, you know, I'm kind of curious to see where, where Will Greer ended up in the voting. That's the one thing I'm kind of curious about, to see where he ended up. Did he end up solid as four? Did he end up at five with the voting? I'm kind of curious to see what, at the end of the day, the vote looks like. I know my one snapshot. I'm just kind of curious to see what my snapshot looks like compared to where the rest of the voters on average went. So that's coming up this weekend. We'll talk about that. And, of course, if you follow me on social media, at Paul Swan, soon as the Heisman vote is announced and the winner has his trophy in his hands, I'll shoot you a screenshot of my vote so you can compare and contrast. That's at Paul Swan on Twitter. All right, we're going to take our first break, come back. When we come back, we will hear from Brett Dulaney. He's the executive director of the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. He joins me next on this edition of The Drive, presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan, presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Friday edition. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Still to come, we're going to preview Marshall's matchup tomorrow at the Cam Henderson Center with the Toledo Rockets and take your phone calls. But I want to talk a little bit about Marshall's upcoming game, the Gasparilla Bowl. Bad Boy Mowers sponsoring this one, which last year when the name change came, this was one of the more interesting name changes. It really got me talking, thinking about, hey, what it would be like for the Herd would actually play in that game. Well, got my wish this year. Marshall is playing against South Florida and to join us now on the program to tell us a little bit more about the game itself and to kind of give us a, an idea of what fans and the team can expect when they all descend on Tampa is Brett Dulaney. He's the executive director of the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Brett, thanks for spending a few minutes with me this evening. Absolutely. Good evening, Paul. How are you? I'm great. Now, this game over the last few years, it feels like we see bowls come and go, but this one seems to be on a, a better trajectory than most of the bowls that you see. Actually, I think we're talking more about this game now over the last few years than we did years ago, the first time around when Marshall was in it. I agree with you. You know, it's longevity. It's a, it's a, we've grown our game you know, over the last 10 years. This will be our 11th game. You know, when you first start out, it, it's, it's really rough. You don't have a bowl committee. You have a couple very small um, meetings and committees and things you can do. So it's very, very difficult to, to touch and, and feel and, and get your hands around things. And until that time happens, uh, when you get the public involved and you get the fans involved, and you get all the community involved, it, it just takes a while. It's uh, You know, here's the thing. Most basketball teams and most football teams, they get to play 12 games, you know, football 12 games a year. So they can get better every time they play during the course of a three- or four-month period. Uh, so we have one game a year. So it takes a little bit of time to get better each and every turn. 
Now, you get a new venue. You're going to be playing the game now at Raymond James Stadium, which I thought was a great move. The name change, the sponsorship deal, I think has really generated more interest. And you're going from a baseball park to a football stadium, and that's got to really change the dynamic of this game. Yeah, we're really excited about it. I mean, the Tropicana Field was a great place to uh, to start our game. It was fantastic. Um, and the, the staff there was fantastic. But to to your point, to go to a world-class venue where they've held Super Bowls and national championships and, and you know, it's an NFL stadium, the list goes on and on and on. Um, you know, just taking walkthroughs with the teams over the last, you know, three or four days, it is so amazing how, how really, really nice that stadium is from the suites to the, the club levels. Uh, they just finished uh, most of an $180 million renovation at the stadium. With uh, So everything's brand new. All the suites are brand new. Uh, the video boards are brand new. Carpeting in the in the lounge areas and the, all the furniture is brand new. The stadium absolutely is fantastic. You found also with the sponsorship, because if you don't name a bowl right, you're going to get a lot of ridicule. You, we've seen that over the years with maybe some ill-advised partnerships. It feels like this is one of those that makes perfect sense. Bad Boy Mowers, you change the name of the game to the Gasparilla Bowl, and all of a sudden people are talking about it because it just sounds like, hey, this is a great game. Not knowing anything about the game other than it has a cool name. Have you found that maybe with that social media buzz that that's really helped this bowl game grow? It has. A lot of people, you know, especially from up north, I moved down here about 20 years ago. I had no idea what Gasparilla was. And it's, it's based on a, a theoretical pirate named Jose Gaspar that used to plunder the waters around the Tampa Bay region, you know, 200 years ago. And um, about 100 years ago, they started a, a parade to generate revenue for businesses and people to come down here in the spring and stay and go to the parade. And uh, it's carried on and continued to grow. And we, we talked with the actually founding fathers of the Gasparilla name and uh, asked them if we could get involved and be the kickoff to their Gasparilla season. And they opened us uh, opened up with arms. They were looking for a international and national um, platform along with ESPN to grow their name and, and our name together. And it, it's worked out great. It's, it's a very interesting name. And then obviously with Bad Boy Mowers, you know, Florida down in Florida here, grass grows year-round. So... They have been trying to grow this market extensively over the last several years, and what better way to do that with the, than you know the the title name of a bowl game? And it sounds like the the players are going to have fun as well. Uh, I know in player interviews earlier this week, Ryan B is excited, trying to make sure that he's going to be the guy who represents the Thundering Herd in any or all mower racing uh, events, and so. These kids are excited about the game, and I'm sure that's really what you guys are hoping to do is make sure that this is a fun, memorable event that they remember for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. You know, one of our main goals is to make sure the student-athlete has a fantastic time and, and, and eventually wants to come back, whether vacation or live down here or what have you. It's an opportunity for, you know, most of your team. It's kind of funny. I was reading the roster today. There's 27, 28, 29, 30 players from, from the state of Florida, and, Number one, it's a good chance for them to come to, come come home and see some of their family. But the number two, it's an opportunity for all the kids who've never been here to come down and, and see what we're all about and see what our community is about and enjoy the white sandy beaches and the seventy five degree days. And um, you know, it doesn't get cold here in the winter. You know, as a matter of fact, I don't think it snowed since nineteen eighty one. Don't quote me on that, but it's been a long time, and uh, it's just a great area to come and enjoy and ex- experience. Sounds like, of course, an ideal situation for a football game, and uh, the fans are going to be coming down. Maybe fans who have come down in the past 
they're going to get a different experience. Uh, what's it going to be like this year for maybe that returning fan or that first-time fan coming in and experiencing what Bowl Week looks like? Yeah, sure. You know, um, you know, I'm from West Virginia, so you know, I moved down here probably 20 years ago, and you know, it's a totally different experience from St. Petersburg to Tampa, even though they're separated by a body of water. Um, the the build out and the um, the economy in Tampa itself, with all the new hotels and new restaurants and new things to do, we're probably about 45 minutes to an hour away from where we were before, uh, where we held the teams and, and we were close to Tropicana Field. So it's totally different. There's the, the Hillsborough River. There's a river walk there that the bands are going to march down and play to uh, to Armature Works, where we're going to have our pep rally. So there's a lot of different things to do uh, in the community here. So I think people really will like it. If you if you came last time and, and you haven't had a chance to come back, um, I recommend people come down and see what we have to do. We have a, we have a, a lot to offer. Uh, we're going to go to Bush Gardens one day, so you can actually go into Bush Gardens and see all the players. They'll be riding the same rides you're riding. So, um, but I, you know, that's probably the biggest the biggest difference is there's there's so many different things that have, have grown here, and um, I welcome people to come down and enjoy it. Joining us on the program, Brett Delaney. He's the executive director of the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl, and of course, uh, always a West Virginia connection. Were you excited when the possibility Marshall came up that you could get Marshall, get them in this bowl game? How excited maybe were you to see, okay, hey, they're out there. We could probably pair them up with South Florida and make a great game. I was extremely excited. You know, how, how often does a person, you know, who happens to grow up from a state have the opportunity to have a team that's from their home state in your bowl game? You know, growing up and watching the herd and being a fan, it's, um, it's kind of surreal. And, you know, with all my relatives up there, I get a chance to come back to West Virginia and see my cousins and play in as member guests and, and see my brother. My brother lives up in Morgantown. And so there's a lot of things uh, that tie me back to West Virginia and, and, and as an opportunity for me to see see the herd come down here and spend time with Doc and Mike Hamrick and uh, David Steele and the staff. It's, um, it's, very, um, it's very special to me. When putting these matchups together, I don't think sometimes fans understand really how hard it is to make a matchup like this happen. It's not just you slot Team A into slot B. It, you're really sometimes trying to work with the conferences, work with the schools to put together really the best matchup, not just for the bowl game itself, but also for these two teams. I mean, you really want to make sure everybody is excited about the whole experience, and that, that includes making sure the matchup makes sense. You're exactly right. There's a lot that goes into it, um, a lot of juggling. You know, so, you know. For example, did the teams play each other in the last couple of years? Have the teams been to this bowl game in the last couple of years? Um, are you know, have they changed conferences that they used to play as rivals? Have they ever played together before? Are they within driving distance? You know, those are a lot of the a lot of the different things. You know, do they travel well? Let's be honest. Um, and you know, USF being a hometown team and Marshall traveling well, you know, there's going to be a lot of green at the stadium, so it should be a really good test and. And all those things go into it. And there's many, many more. I, I just, you know, tip the iceberg. But there are many more other things that go into making decisions. And um, it was fantastic for us to be able to jump at the opportunity to get USF and Marshall. Brett Delaney is our guest, executive director of the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. And Brett, uh, on the fun side of things, you always want to make this a great experience for the kids. And every year, uh, when the list comes out, we run down what bowl is taking care of uh, the players as far as what the swag bags look like, the, the suites. Uh, what's in store for these kids? Uh, is there anything you can maybe share, or are you still keeping that a little close to the vest? No, not at all. Um, 
typically we started this a few years ago. We found that most of the kids, this is pretty interesting, most of the kids when they come down, um, a lot of them, um, they like the gifts that we give them, but they're also looking for other gifts that they want to buy maybe for their for their, their mom or their dad or their girlfriend or what have you. So we, we transitioned over into a gift suite. It's like a point system where they get the opportunity to go and whether it be pick a coffee maker out or a, a lady's watch or a chair or a bicycle or whatever that particular item is. Um, and then we drop ship those back to the university. So that's something that's kind of unique. And a lot of a lot of our bowls, being with the ESPN bowls, um, do that simply so kids can choose what they want. But we also give them other things as well. You know, when they get off the buses here, um, they come from the airport and they go out to the beach. You know, we're going to have some towels for them and some sunscreen and some other things like that for the beach. And, you know, the next day when they come, when they go to Bush Gardens, we'll have some stuff for them then. So we want to make the, you know, it's almost like Christmas every day here. We want to make sure that they enjoy themselves. Um, and they have the opportunity to experience new things and get new gifts. Brad DeLinney is our guest. He's the executive director of the Bad Boy Mowers Gas Bowl. I guess the only disappointing thing about this is you don't have a Tampa Bay game the week of the of the bowl game. Just for the hockey fan, there are a few of us in West Virginia. Just for the <laughs> just for the hockey fan. Yeah, you know it's really funny. We're really good partners with the uh, with the Lightning, and we're really good partners with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And neither one are playing uh, while you guys are down here. Um, the Lightning are such an integral part of what we do, and we have a couple of their guys on our bowl committee, and we work very closely with them and, and what they do in the community and what we do in the community. And we talk about best practices together, and, and they are a fantastic group. Uh, and they are on fire right now. They're playing great. So the whole community down here is so excited to be behind the Lightning and. They do such a great job with all the fans and um, all the things they do in the community. So uh, I, I do wish they were down here for you guys, but they, they are on a tear. And, you know, let's hopefully get back to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm also uh, excited for the fact that you've got the night all to yourself. Um, that's kind of hard sometimes when you're a bull trying to stand out and you've got the night to yourself. You don't have to compete with anybody else that night. Yeah, it is it is difficult. When we were looking at the schedule, we noticed that you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers weren't playing on you know the week before, the week after, or a Thursday night game. And the, first, the next thing we looked at was you know what are the Lightning doing? Are the Lightning at home? Are they away? And we were like, wow, what a great opportunity to showcase our community, um, not only nationally but internationally. So our, our game's seen in over 100 countries around the world, um, and what an opportunity to showcase uh, Gasparilla, Tampa Bay community, and all that we have to offer, and, and have people come down and visit us when they're when they're thinking about vacations. So. We're very, very fortunate. Brad, I'm excited about this one. Uh, I, I truly am. This is uh, one of those bowls I've got to watch since Marshall's been a part of it for a few years. It seems like it's getting bigger and better and really becoming one of the uh, the better showcase bowls uh, during bowl season. And uh, hats off to you and everyone who's involved in that. Yeah, thank you. It, you know, it's not just me. It takes a village. And we have uh, over 100-plus committee members. Uh, we have a, a women's-only committee, which they do a lot with our charities in the, uh, charities in the, uh, in the community. And we have a sales committee that we work with and a, an executive committee. So hats off to all the people that help and volunteer their time to do this because, I, you know, I, I obviously don't do it alone. Uh, and we have a great staff, like I said, and kudos to the community for accepting us and, and bringing us under the fold and making sure we get better and better each year. Brett, enjoy the weather. It's, uh, it's nice and cold up here right now in uh, West Virginia, so uh, enjoy the weather. Well, will we be seeing you down here? Uh, not me, unfortunately. Uh, unless we can talk the boss into paying for the trip. Uh, still working on that, but uh, no, I'll be probably most likely back here suffering in the cold, thinking of you guys. Uh, I'm so sorry. We'll take we'll take a lot of pictures and send them back your way. That'd be great. I would love that. 
Brett, thank you so much for spending the time with me. I uh, appreciate it. Good luck with the game, and uh, it sounds like, once again, you guys are going to knock it out of the park. Uh, thanks for your time tonight. I really appreciate it. And we welcome all the Herd fans to come down here and go visit our website at gasparillabowl.com to see all the things to do uh, if you haven't had a chance. And uh, make your decision. Come down and spend Christmas with us. Free Christmas with us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's Brett Delaney, Executive Director of the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Appreciate his time. And uh, he's uh, enjoying the nice warm weather. We're not right now. So if you're looking to avoid the cold for a few days, uh, this actually probably is a, a great vacation excuse for you. When we come back, we're going to break down a little bit more Marshall taking on Toledo tomorrow at the Cam Henderson Center. Thundering Herd trying to rebound after back-to-back losses. We'll talk about it as well as get your phone calls in at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. We've got more on the way. It's The Drive, presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Buckle up, Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We are presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center. Welcome back to the Friday, December 7th edition. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Coming up tomorrow at the Cam Henderson Center, Marshall will face off against Toledo. 2.30 tip. We'll have it for you if you can't make it to the game right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 9.30. So the Thundering Herd are looking to rebound. Marshall has faltered the last couple of games. Defense has been a big culprit. Herd hasn't been able to really find their shot, find their rhythm. Also, Marshall has really just made some teams look good shooting. Ohio's not a lights-out type of shooting team, and they look pretty solid against Marshall. You weren't expecting that. And then you also you see Duquesne, not necessarily a fantastic shooting team, and they were shooting really good, better than the herd. So what's the problem? I think you got to put a hand in a face a little bit more. That would help. But Dan talked about it after the game. Got to get these guys uh, into the team concept. No more of the me, more of the we. We'll see what happens. C.J. Burks, I will say this about C.J. He's getting his points. I don't know if that is a direct result of no one else able to or he's the only one who is playing up to his potential, or he's maybe taking too much on his shoulders. But C.J. right now is the only guy on the team that has scored in double figures every game. He's got four games with 20 or more points, so he's putting his signature on this season so far. And you saw a little lineup change. I don't know if you're going to see that again, but you got Rondell Watson. He made the start at Duquesne, and... Here's a stat that I don't know if this is good or bad. John Elmore and C.J. Burks, they have combined for 320 of the team's 691 points this season. That was a neat little stat that Marshall gave me today. 46.3% of Marshall's offense is generated by John Elmore and C.J. Burks. That's a great number for them. John's getting his points most nights. C.J. Burks is getting his. But if you shut down John Elmore 
and you shut down C.J. Burks or you shut down one or two of them, you're shutting down a good chunk of Marshall's offense. 46.3% of Marshall's offense right now coming from Elmore and Burks. Now, I look for a better performance tomorrow. The Thundering Herd is 4-0 at home. They've got, however, a a disappointing 1-3 road record, the lone win coming against Eastern Kentucky. And when Marshall is more forceful inside, they win. Marshall's won five games, and they've outscored their opponents in those five games in the paint. So that's a stat to keep an eye on. Marshall has to score in the paint and score more than their opponent to have a chance. It seems like that's a big number. And just pulling out the numbers from the game against Duquesne, points in the paint, Duquesne outscored the Thundering Herd 46-30. to That's a big difference there. And again, just to go back to my point, Duquesne was able to shoot 57.9% in that game. 57.9%. They shot 58% just about the first and second half. Marshall shot 50% in the first half, and they dropped to 43 in the second half. So you got to clean that up. Now, Toledo is not going to be an easy opponent. They're not going to be a pushover. They're 8-1 and one right now. They've got a six-game win streak. They are... They're scoring. They're scoring a lot. They are out-rebounding their opponents by over six. They are scoring more than their opponents, almost 18 in contest. They shoot. They'd start at 48.1% from the field. So if they get hot, I hate to see what that number looks like, but they're shooting over 48% from the field. They are making over 40% of their shots from the three-point line. They spread the ball out. They've got five guys averaging 10 or more points, and they've got three players with 29 or more assists, so they're spreading the ball out. They're finding different guys to score. Look at that box score against Duquesne. C.J. Burks had 26. Watson had 12. Elmore had 12. Nobody else is in double digits. And the other number we keep talking about that I want to see maybe a different spread tomorrow is who gets to shoot the ball? Where's the best shot coming from? And you really can't involve a guy in the offense if he only gets three cracks at it. Jansen Williams had three shots. He had 17 minutes, but three shots. Jared West, who I want to see more on the floor, because, again, he doesn't give you that offensive punch. And I fell into that trap. I wanted to see more scoring from Jared West. No, pay attention to his game. He's going to bring some defense to the game. He's small, but he can get after you. So he's out there. He only gets five looks. C.J. Burks gets 15 looks. Rondell Watson gets 11. Elmore gets 11. Tavion Kenzie gets six looks. Iran Bennett gets one Uh, Darius George gets six shots, and uh, Byers gets three. Uh, Free throws, you had some timely, timely shots, but you had some also untimely shots. 17 to 25, a few of those misses were uh, front ends. Also, the Thundering Herd 
ultimately won the turnover battle, but really they hurt themselves early. They had 17 turnovers in that game. Marshall ultimately was plus two as Duquesne gave up 19. But Marshall needs to hang on to the ball, needs to hit those free throws, and we need to see more diversification in the offense. You can't run everything just through CJ. You can't run everything just through John. You've got to have a few more guys have shots and step up. Easier said than done. Dan D'Antoni will, I'm sure, address some of these needs as the Thundering Herd will take on Toledo tomorrow. Cam Henderson Center, where it's going to happen, and we'll have it for you right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, I'm interested in this series because uh, for some of you, maybe you're not as familiar with the Toledo series. Marshall's been a Conference USA longer than they were in the MAC the second go-around at this point now. So Toledo doesn't mean a thing to some of you. Marshall and Toledo have played a lot. And in football, it meant something. Basketball, it meant something. Marshall trails the series 33-23, to but they've won the last two. That's good there. And if you're looking at the roster tomorrow, kind of scouting the opponent, those of you who like really dig into the other team, Jalen Sanford, he leads the Rockets. He averages uh, over 17 points per game and nine starts. He's also been on the court the most for the team. He is averaging over 30 minutes of court time. He was picked to win the MAC West Division preseason team. I mean, he was picked on the MAC West Division preseason team. He's pretty good. And then um, they've got pretty good balance. So we'll see what they can do tomorrow against the Thundering Herd. This would be, I think, a nice win for Marshall if they can get Toledo. You lost to Ohio. You try not to lose to Toledo, and you don't want to go into a three-game losing streak. We'll have more on the way. We will continue to look at this one. We'll also take a look at what happened last night. College football awards when we continue with this edition of The Drive. We are presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Listening to The Drive with Paul Swan presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented by Belltown Hearing Aid Center. I'm your host, Paul Swan. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Last night, I don't know how many of you were huddled up next to your television to watch the college football awards. I was happy for Josh Allen. He won the Bednark. And you know what? Um, He also took on the Nagurski as the Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, that's pretty good, right? That's showing you something there. So uh, I was really happy for him. I think Kentucky's one of the more improved college football programs over the last few years. And as a side note, we do carry the Wildcats over on our sister station, Cat Sports 93.3 and 1340. So I've got a casual interest in seeing how well the Kentucky Wildcats do. But you win the Defensive Player of the Year award and you win the Nagurski. How cool is that? And I think if you're Kentucky, you build on that. You really do. You can truly build on that. But you look at the awards, and I don't know 
if some people understand the, the split here. Because you've got the Maxwell, which goes to the player of the year. And that went to Tua. Walter Camp Award, also a player of the year award. And it goes to Tua as well. So he gets the Maxwell. He also gets the Walter Camp. Home Depot Award for Coach of the Year went to Brian Kelly. I can see that. Brian's done a great job with Notre Dame. You go undefeated at Notre Dame, you're doing something right. The Jim Thorpe Award went to DeAndre Baker for the best defensive back in college football. Baker from Georgia, of course, and I can't argue with that either. Davey O'Brien Award, best quarterback. Well, Kyler Murray wins that. And I know you're sitting here thinking, well, if Tua's the best player, he's the player of the year, wouldn't he ultimately be the best quarterback? No, not so fast. Not necessarily. It just depends on what the voting criteria are in the voter's mind. That you look at, okay, at the quarterback position, who's best? Two is a guy who brings a lot to Alabama, but Alabama also brings a lot to Tua. But he had a great, outstanding year, so he gets player of the year. And then Kyler gets best quarterback. So the voters there, so Davey O'Brien, kind of thought that he was the best quarterback. Now, Lou Groza goes to uh, the kid from Syracuse, and the Butkus goes to Devin White from LSU. Uh, I saw the um, I saw the place kicker and the uh, the kicker awards. I skipped over that quickly. I'm sorry, kickers. I'm sorry. I, I that was a break opportunity for me. Uh, Doke Walker goes to uh, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin as the best running back. No argument there. That kid can run. Uh, the Bolitnikoff goes to uh, Jeremy Judy from Alabama as the best wide receiver. Best tight end goes to um, Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. That's the John Mackey Award for the best tight end. The Outland Trophy, which is given to the best interior lineman. Uh, goes to um, Quinnen Williams from Alabama. Ray Guy Award goes to uh, Braden Mann from Texas A&M as the best punter. As we mentioned, uh, the Bednark and the Gursky go to Josh Allen from Kentucky, Defensive Player of the Year. And then you get into uh, some of the uh, the more not necessarily statistical awards. The Disney Spirit Award went to Tyler Trent from Purdue for most inspirational. The academic Heisman goes to a Christian Wilkinson from Clemson. That's the William V. Campbell Trophy. The uh, Werfel Trophy for community service goes to Drew Tranquil from Notre Dame. And the Broyles Award goes to uh, Mike Loxley from Alabama as the best assistant coach. So that's a breakdown of what college football awards looked like last night. And the Heisman, of course, will be awarded on Saturday, December 8th. If you are curious to how I voted, follow me on social media, and I'll release that to you after the trophy has been awarded. So that's coming up on Saturday. As soon as that trophy's in his hand, I'm going to have the screenshot ready to go. I'm excited to be able to get to do that. Uh, first year for me to get to vote on the Heisman. It's uh, really uh, an honor, so I appreciate everyone who made that happen for me. Uh, that's going to be fun just to see how it breaks down, and then you can look at my vote. And I can't tell you anything. I can't even hint. It's like Christmas. I can't tell you. you Got to wait till it happens, and then I'll tell you how 
my vote matched up with what the rest of the voters were submitting. I'm just kind of curious now. I'm, now I'm curious. Like, okay, how, how close was I? How close did I get to what the vote actually looks like? And we'll find out all together on Saturday. Of course, we got basketball as well. Thundering Herd taking on Toledo at the Cam Anderson Center. That's going to be 2.30 tip time. That means we go on the air at 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock, we'll break it down. It'll be Marshall and Toledo. And then the women are in action afterwards. So if you're so inclined, you can stick around. Doubleheader action. It's going to be Marshall men and women on Saturday. They're encouraging you to wear black for the game. Coal miners are getting in for free. All the promotional information uh, online. You can go to their website, herdzone.com. That'll spell it out a little bit better than I will. But you got a women's and men's doubleheader coming up on Saturday. So if you're so inclined, stick around, help out Tony Kemper, give those ladies some support as well. And then everybody can huddle up by the television. Huddle up. Get ready for the Heisman vote. Find out who wins the Heisman. Place your bets, okay, where it's legal. Place your bets. Find out if you were right, if you were wrong, if your guy got robbed. That, that's the thing I'm interested in, just to see how many of you think it's going to go one way and then how many of you are going to be mad if it goes another that's what I'm interested in, seeing your reaction. But uh, we'll have, of course, basketball action on Saturday. And then uh, our game should be pretty much over before the Heisman vote begins. So we'll have that right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So we'll have live coverage of the Heisman as well. If you can't watch it, we'll have it for you on the radio side. Hopefully we can talk about on Monday a thundering herd win because guess what? On Monday... We're going to be right back at the Henderson Center. Thundering Herds taking on Moorhead State. So for those of you expecting a show on Monday, well, the pregame will be your show. We won't be at the Union on Monday. Sorry about that, but that's okay. Herb Stanley, your proprietor of the Union Pub and Grill, our host institution on Monday. He'll be at the game, so you want to hang out with Herb hang out with me and Herb at the Marshall game. That's where we're going to be. For our producer tonight, Gabriel Sellers. Appreciate him. I'm Paul Swan. I want to thank Brett Delaney. He's the executive director of the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. He was with me earlier on the program. If you missed any part of that, don't forget, you can go back and catch it on the podcast. All you have to do is listen to us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And if you like the show, let us know by leaving us a positive review. For Gabriel, I'm Paul Swan. Good night. WRBC Huntington. W227BS Huntington. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Huntington Sports Station.